It's the CBS Sports Data Combat Podcast with the Brian Campbell. And it's time for the box. All sweet science, all the time, as stiff as you can imagine. Just look at the stiffness. Thank you, Rich. Uh, BC, your boy, that's the voice that you hear. And we are fresh off a wild weekend in the sports Spence Porter. I'm sure you heard. My instant analysis thoughts after the fight in Los Angeles. But now we got to hear from Big Red as we break things down. Where we go from here after Errol Spence's split decision win to unify welterweight world titles. We're also going to get you fired up for this weekend. Triple G is back. Gennady I. Gennady. Golovkin back in the middleweight title bout against Sergey Derevchenko at Madison Square Garden on the zone. I was in New York this week with Triple G. You're going to hear that chat. Also have a real interesting talk with new Golovkin trainer Jonathan Banks from the Kronk tradition now invading Big Bear. Look, I asked him straight up. You running into Abel Sanchez and Big Bear? Do things get awkward? Hear that. This show, get ready, get fired up, because that's how men do it. Yeah, 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 right, Keefe. All right. Uh, hey, guys, five-star season. All right, you know what I'm talking about. Um, spread it, all right? Spread it forward, spread it thick. Just spread it, all right? Five stars, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you consume fine audio. It's 2019, folks. It's a different era. Athletes sleep with a lot of women. It's 2013. That's what we do. Yeah, but in 2019, people that like podcasts and listen for free – they pay it forward. All right, I'm going to bring in my co-host right here. He's the king of poppycock. He's a cruiserweight aficionado. He is the boxing feature writer on The Athletic, probably the most sophisticated sports writing website in 2019. And don't forget, he's a New York Times bestselling author. He's the Kriegel of this podcast. It is Rafe Bartholomew. Let me lick you down. That it's true. Uh, Detroit's finest, Rafe <laughs> Bartholomew. You teased the bag right there. What the heck is Alunga Jr. Maccabi Games tennis mixed doubles Eric Raskin doing by saying, Hey, I'm hot right now. All you legitimate boxing promoters out there not you not you and not you we're gonna sign with don king what brian this this news i don't it brought me down seven notches yesterday i i i just i looked at the headline and i said to ilunga makabu makabi games makabu man hey man don't be a blank. Why are you doing this? <laughs> he, I, it's just, it's terrible, man. I, you, I don't know what it means exactly. I guess Don King is saying he wants because Makabu is from the DRC, the Democratic Republic of the Congo, Did that he's going to go DRC? back to Kinshasa, formerly known as Zaire, and restage the rumble in the jungle with, against who? Kevin Lorena? Great. Actually, that's a good fight. I'd watch that. Oh, how but dare you? the point is, I, anything good, all the excitement that we had from the two great fights that Makabu gave us this year, first with 
Dmitry Kudryashov, and that Dmitry I, if you prefer that pronunciation, or and then that other one with Sergey Papin. That sounds like a like a ballerina name to me. I don't know why, sounds but like anyway, an STD to me, Rafe. <laughs> I've got a couple of Papins on the on the pinai. Uh, uh, but but uh, but man. All that, all that goodwill, all those good vibes—they're gone now. Yeah, because that's the—you signed with the devil. You did. Al Heyman, the goat, Don King, the devil. Poppycock. Yeah, that's not. That's not. That's not how so, men do it. I mean, come on. If they were going to do a cruiserweight season three for WBSS, and why not bring it on, Callie? That's a party. That's a Cali party. I will attend. Yes. With, yeah, at full mast. I'll with Pants all the with optional. all the Cialis. Yeah. Yes. Bluetooth. Come advertise with us. Player, I see what you're doing by the hot dog truck. I know what's going on right now. Get um, that money, player. I will be at that Cali party if they do season three cruiserweights. But you know what? Don King will mess that up. No, he will he screw will. that up. And uh, and Makabu will somehow not be in it. And he'll be out there fighting. Ah, oh, man. It's just so bad. I don't know how this became our lead story. But it is uh, sort of like ridiculous. In the, in Move the on. We gotta, you you, you got to give me some. You're right. You're right. In Spend the press supporter. release, though, Don King's like, I'm going to stage five championship fights in Congo. Okay. Wow. Hey, let's reset ourselves here, Rafe. Um, you, you heard of the third member of our show to, to kick it off. Hi, it's Dwyer. The week of the fight. Rafe, and it was the week of the fight, and the people want to hear your reaction to all things Spence Porter. Was it the fight of the year? Does Spence get plussed or minus from this? Is, I don't know, um, Brian. What you, do we do you think, think about the, his do data? Do want to hear that? Because if the people wanted to hear that, Brian, maybe I would have been on an instant po- instant reaction oh, podcast. Oh, oh, shout out to my boy Dan Canobio for helping out there in L.A. Uh, yeah, Rafe, I guess I dropped the ball. I didn't even check if you were. I figure you're on East Coast time right now. You're a uh, I, I don't want to, you know, it's not like it's, you know, it's like it's two in the morning. I don't want to mess with your with your life here. I mean, this isn't a high paying gig. You know what I'm saying? Look, it's I I appreciate the the concern and uh, no 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 problem at all. But don't and, give it now, Rafe, because the the people need to uh we need to sell some business first. So we're gonna hear Rafe's breakdown of all things Spence Porter right after this word from our friends and sponsors. Dig it. All right, we're back, BC Rafe Boogs. We got Triple G on the horizon, but right now it's time to revisit the collaboration that was PBC on Fox Pay Per View Los Angeles. I was there. You heard my thoughts late Saturday. Rafe Boogs, Errol Spence, not by murder, by split decision and a fight of the year contender against Sean Porter. Your thoughts. Sean Jacobs has Sean Jacobs. <laughs> All right. Yeah, hey. I tried to come in with my own Magdaleno soundbite and just blew it up. Just blew up in my face. Brian. <laughs> Sean Porter has some big, big balls. That's my take, man. Um, We could play that a million times today, and it would not be enough. All right. Why don't we play it once? Why don't we just? Okay, Sean Porter has some big, big balls for getting in the ring with Spence because Spence looks so good. He fought with those big, big balls, and it turned into a really, I thought, people – People have some really high bar for what you would call a great fight. I, I don't have quite that high a bar. If I have a great time watching the fight, if I am super engaged and excited, the all, all 12 rounds, and it's fought at a high level, and there's good action throughout, that's good enough for me. I thought this was a great fight. 
I don't know if I would immediately call it fight of the year as a lot of people jump to to that conclusion. My advice to you is to get high off this fight and just let it let it hit you. My advice to everybody who's scared to death is smoke a lot of weed for four years. Rafe, get high on this fight because it was your fight of the year. Yeah, I guess, Brian, but you know what? You know what that's going to happen? This is what we, we re-rank every, every pound-for-pound list after every big fight. We declare every good fight the fight of the year until the next week. And there's a lot of good fights coming up. So if Triple G Derevianchenko is a good fight, I bet we'll be on here in a week saying, I think that might have been fight of the year. What do you think, Brian? And then, <laughs> you know, and then uh, a week after that, we got better Biev and Vozdik. That looks like an awesome fight. That has a good chance to be a fight of the year contender. And if it is, we'll be back here two weeks from now saying, hey, I think that was the fight of the year. What do you think? Alexander Grosdick. <laughs> yeah, Grosdick is a is a F-O-Y contender. Um, anyway, so so I, I'm trying to beat back the tide of of hyperbole that 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 comes up that is just sort of put on us here in the media where we got to proclaim wow was that the greatest performance ever in a 12th round by a lebron james friend you know it's it it turns into uh trying to throw some kind of dumb title on everything anyway let's talk about the fight brian it was awesome it was so good man um spence uh, I mean, I, God, I, I'm speechless. I still, right, I still love it. Um, let me ask you this. Let me collect your thoughts for you. Um, does Porter win the night? If Max Kellerman was here to 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 provide a moral winner, the the who was the star of this story? Uh, Sean Porter Rafe was as absurd as a seven to one underdog by Saturday, minus nine hundred for Spence. Even as I'm doing previews on radio or whatever, and I'm like, hey, guys, let's not forget on paper. This is actually a really good fight. I I guess Vegas thinks they know something. Even I started to get swayed in my head that it's going to be Errol Spencer. It won't make sense. I mean, Sean Porter had the night of his life in a split decision loss. And if we're doing that corny, uh, who won the story? Good God. Do you agree with that? I do, and I and, and I do in a way that doesn't. I don't think that necessarily means we take anything away from Errol Spence with that. It was Sean Porter putting in a great performance, fighting the gutsiest version of the best version of himself on the best night he probably could summon on Saturday, and it elevates him i don't think it's the kind of elevates porter but but deflates spence's reputation because spence stood up to it spence got the knockdown i think i believe spence deserved to win i scored at 14 13 so basically a draw Same with, with the knockdown that's how men do um, it that's a, in, not it's not a draw in the dwyer household but that's a uh that's a 14 13 for both of our families all right but and, and and honestly, round seven, eight, nine, ten, those rounds, I was just looking at them like, oh God, I don't, I don't effing know. Um, but it was the so so, and I had I was worried, Brian, going in. I had kind of talked myself into this idea that Sean Porter had gotten into his own head between the way he was talking to you and others before the fight about 
how oh I'm gonna mix up styles I don't I, I I'm gonna be smart about how to how to apply pressure and jump in and, and having seen the way he fought in the previous two fights against Danny Garcia and then your Dennis Ugas when he was boxing more where he was trying to be on the outside more and, and fighting a style that I think is just less effective I am kind of a you know, stick with what got you there. You you are be yourself in the ring. It's very hard to transform overnight or even in over the course of a year for athletes who have been doing things a certain way for their entire lives. At least since um, 2013, that's what athletes do. You know. <laughs> um, and I was worried that Sean Porter was in his own head that all the some of the video that that the trash talk from Errol Spence calling him uh, a, a dirty fighter, uh, an in shape street fighter, a guy who looks like he's he's <laughs> drowning, trying and 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 don't know how to swim. Um, all of that stuff. I, I thought that was in his head. I thought I think I thought it had been in Sean Porter's head for a while. Going back to man, I, I I'll look it up and try and tweet it out or something. But there was a video after the Birdo fight where he sees Birdo a few months later and Birdo just kind of like is a dick to him. Birdo is kind of like, man, nobody nobody actually resp- – you, you know, yeah, you beat me I guess. But like you didn't actually win that fight. Like you won ugly. You're basically like, you know, you're good but nobody respects your style. This um, ain't Birdo. Think what you want. This ain't Birdo. Right, right. Birdo was telling him, you, you didn't give me the raw dog and I was coming for it. <laughs> um, and – I thought that was in Sean's, Sean Porter's head, and I thought that he wasn't going to give himself the best chance against Errol Spence and that he was going to sort of stay on the outside and basically either lose a, a slower, less exciting fight than we saw where, where Spence just wins the jabbing competition with a, with a better jab and, and longer punches, um, or he was going to uh, – or he was going to you know at some point go for it and get stopped because of it. And instead, no, he went in and and it just it was it was really really great pressure fighting and it rhythm, showed broken I think, rhythm pressure or, or put back together no 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 real Sean Porter pressure fighting like aggressive chest to chest wild punches well, let me, but let me but ask you this. he figures out ways to land in that way and make you uncomfortable Did it he... was the nas it was the man nasim richardson told you not you better get your shotgun out yes. and start shooting when you well, see him on your lawn was that man though because here's the deal i want to ask you if this was like sean porter had been effing around with this new style against danny garcia and against ugas coming away and he with... fought that way the first round and a half two rounds coming away with close decisions <clears throat> but certainly in the ugas fight leaving us going did he not do enough do you think that this performance on saturday was a graduation of the the recipe he was trying to put together because this wasn't the balls across the walls um version that walked down and broke birdo or that you know in the rematch with julio diaz just walk right through him this was a guy who used so many feints and and quick footwork patterns and different things to disarm spence i was looking at lee wiley's tweet that came across my timeline and when he was like look at the amount of jabs that spence attempted and completed compared to other fights like porter's Awkward rhythm completely silenced Spence's jab, which also had a lot to do with the southpaw righty matchup as well. But this wasn't Spence being a running back and just running into the line. I'm sorry, Porter. This was Porter, in my eyes, figuring out the perfect middle ground between the old way and the new way he's trying to to evolve into. 
I think that I, I think there's a little bit of natural development of that style. And and you saw even I thought the first couple rounds where Porter did fight the you know, he did stay on the outside and they were slower rounds. And I actually thought he he won those. I gave him the first two rounds on my scorecard. They were slow rounds. I think Spence was still sort of feeling his way into the fight and not pushing it. But so he, you know, even even fighting the style that I don't favor for Sean Porter, Sean Porter managed to have a little bit of success early, although I don't think it would have worked over the long haul in the fight. Um, I also don't think that he was terrible doing the aggressive style earlier in his career. He's I think he's always done it skillfully. It's just his own skill. It's his own style. It's unorthodox. It's not always pretty. And in this case, the styles matched up. It did. He must. There must be some natural improvement there, though, because yes, some of the ways he was pivoting around uh, Errol Spence, especially. The, I mean, he looked. Every, whenever Errol Spence would try and get Sean Porter into the corner, and and Porter would basically pivot, you know, turn him right away. I mean, that was impressive. That was the kind of footwork you expect to see from really slick fighters with with that beautiful reputation that Sean Porter doesn't bring into the ring and it was all he he showed a lot of wrinkles and, and man and just some of the the some of those crazy punches and his lucky punch but his crazy punch they they look crazy but they work and he knows what he's doing even if it doesn't make sense to us i think the the issue with the how many jabs Errol Spence was was able to get off had to do with really the distance at which the fight was fought also. And it was fought at Sean Porter's distance and, it and was, good. Yeah. And then, then, then it comes into, so good for Sean Porter for making it his fight and for, and for being able to be that successful against a guy who's basically as strong as him, maybe stronger. Um, Shout out to Sean Porter for believing in, in the taste of his own sauce that much. Like, let me bring in Terrell Van uh, at T street controversy inside that big scrotum scrotum. It's huge, huge testicles. Yeah, I mean, the, what does he have in, in your eyes? He's got real big balls. And it's not just the fearlessness to walk down Spence, but, Rafe, it's the confidence that, no, I am super elite. This will work against this guy. So here's what I want to ask you, because a debate developed immediately after the fight. I touched on it in the instant analysis pod with Dan Canobio of does this bring Spence down at all in terms of pound for pound, or at least in our head-to-head comparison with Terrence Crawford, a fight we want to see. And sort of the counter argument to that over the last 24 hours on Twitter had been like, look, Spence is now doing everyone else's style better than them. He went in there against Mikey, purposely didn't try to knock him out so that people wouldn't talk about size, and outboxed the hell out of him for 12 rounds. And now he went in here and fought Sean Porter style and out Sean Portered Sean Porter, but I'm sure you could make just as easily the argument of Porter dictated all the terms and made Spence fight that way. So if there's any L to give Spence in this whole equation, do you at least give him the L of he took Sean Porter for granted and never properly respected him in the lead up to this fight? I don't know because I'm not inside his camp. I'm not inside his head. I, I I actually tend to give fighters the benefit of the doubt that whatever garbage they say promoting a fight is probably not true, just like whatever garbage promoters say is usually not true. And I, at this point, most of what 
garbage we write in and report in the media is also not true. So uh, usually the only my tr- I know my true and it usually that true only happens in the ring. We'll be talking to Mr. True Triple G later on. Yeah, I want um, guys on the show. We're going to get one. OK, beautiful guys. Um, but I, I think to me, it doesn't the the, the so that I, I would draw a couple distinctions between the Mikey Garcia win and the Sean Porter win for Errol Spence. In the Garcia win, I think he did, to some degree, plan on boxing more and and proving that point that hey, I'm going to outbox a guy who people say is just a a, a more technical fighter than me. Now, his physical advantages played a big role in him being able to outbox him, but that I think he did beat Mikey on Mikey's terms. In the Porter fight, I think that was one where Porter forced the terms on Spence. And yes, big respect to Errol Spence for dealing with that and winning. Uh, I think the question is not how many fighters out there can make Sean Porter not fight a Sean Porter fight when he wants to get in that ass, so to speak. Um, not many, not many. And, and, to see Errol Spence go basically put up with it, out-muscle him at times, out-dirty him at times with all the low blows because Sean Porter wasn't – I mean he was leading with his head a little bit, but that just has to do with the bum rush effect. Um, and and also out, you know, land cleaner punches throughout, which I, I guess we'd expect. But still, the way he was doing it was impressive and, of course, get the knockdown and win the fight. Um, the I think that the, the, the things I would say I learned about – uh, Errol Spence from this fight is that it looked like he is not as quick side to side as some other fighters. He wasn't yes. as quick side to side as Sean Porter was. That doesn't make him a bad fighter. That doesn't make him worse than, yeah, that, that doesn't, I don't think that lowers his pound for pound, but it's just something, okay, that is an attribute. That is something we hadn't seen him really have to, he hasn't faced someone who, was a uh, who looked like a better athlete than him in some regards um and that's how spence was getting turned in the corners when when sean porter would sort of dip around him and and all of a sudden turn the tables on him that's how porter was using a little bit more angles uh, the 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 way that spence dealt with it and what he does do really well is is obviously step back and create space and and can come in with just brutal brutal body shots and that 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 punch that i don't think i don't see many other guys throw the one that caused the knockdown and i've seen he's thrown it spence has thrown it with both hands the almost it's like it's almost like it's it's a wide hook and and it's like sidearm the one that Usyk finished bell you with I guess, but it's so low. That's the thing. He's he's so. If you if you watch the Spence knock the the, the Porter knockdown, the Bundu knockout, and the last Algeri knockdown, all three of those guys were almost in a crouch with their yeah. faces down. It's like a sweeping it, left hook as it, your as the opponent is sort of bending forward a little bit. Yeah, and you usually would think, man, it's hard to get to that chin except with maybe an uppercut. And and, and Spence is the only person I see land. You know devastating shots 
with that sweeping hook. And the Bundu one was with a, with, with a right. So it's, it's pretty, it's something, I, I don't, it's just something, another, that is one thing to, to, to file away that you could see it, when he faces other high level opponents. And, and none of, nobody seems to be totally ready for that because who else, who else throws that punch? Um, the other thing, did you? Th- I thought Errol Spence was buzzed a couple times in that fight in the fourth round. Yeah, bothered. Uh, had to take a step back. Ne- maybe never fully hurt, but certainly times when he stopped when he stopped coming forward and punching. Right, yes. it seemed like he was trying to recover from something. Yeah, it could have been frustration, and that would play into what Porter had said on the show last week. You know, which is breaking a man's will can be done different ways. Some of it can be done when you want to hit me and you can't, and I'm frustrating you. And he, he's the one who said it. I'm going to use Errol Spence's uh, lack of experience compared to me against him. And I think in a lot of ways he did, but in the end, ES was the real. Because to be able to face that tough of a 12-round performance from Porter and knock him down and earn the decision in most people's eyes. I mean, Dwyer's love fest is true. What's happening right now is Errol Spence. You're damn right. I mean, like, it did make sense, Team Spence, because he figured it out. I think for anything we could say negative, he proved he's the real in the end, Rafe. That's true. Let me ask you, what do you make of the idea, uh, you know, of course, Keith Thurman has been out after the fight saying... I fought this version of Sean Porter more or less, right? The the very aggressive. I'm coming to coming to get your lunch, Sean Porter, and dealt with him easier than Errol Spence did. This is a better Sean Porter right now than the 2016 version that fought. Why? Just because he's older? No, there's more variety to his attack. There's more fainting and setting up. So he did a lot more setup to disarm Spence and then get it inside on him. Where against Thurman, he was wasn't as reckless as he was against Birdo, but he was still f- basically like, I'm going to walk through everything you have. I'm going to just go for the hooks to the body and the wild haymakers, and I'm just going to keep doing the same thing. And Thurman was quick, slick, and powerful enough to discipline him from taking over the the story of the fight, from taking over the the, the space. You know, there were mo- Sean had moments, but Thurman was always able to discipline him, and I think this is uh Porter and Kenny and his dad Kenny to to their to to praise them they've went back into the lab and figured new ways to do what they do i think that's probably true to some degree i think what i was getting at is that and i don't think this is blasphemy to say so maybe Keith Thurman is a little slicker than Errol Spence overall at Ooh. least in being able to fight off the back foot make a guy miss and counter like that it's not exactly the ways that Errol Spence was winning the fight. Yet I'm not saying he has no back foot game. I don't. It's not that brief oh, of a on. conversation. I mean, who would actually say that? Now that's called a back foot game. Yeah, I mean, but we're talking about Spence's back foot game. Let's get into it. Let's talk about Errol Spence's back foot game. Yeah. Wow. wow. That was a brief conversation. Oh come on! Come on. I mean, no, come on. no, 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 no. I mean, he no. is. He still is, and guess what, Richie? You ain't all right. Correct. Um, but I, but I do think that it, 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 it at least it doesn't seem crazy to observe that Keith Thurman did a better job at sort of doing the matador thing, get step sidestepping the the bull, the bum rush 
and being able to counter from angles or incorporating he probably is more comfortable with a check hook now it might have to do with southpaw uh southpaw versus orthodox like spacing I'm, i i i am not quite the technician to 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 analyze yeah. that but hey, all you um, hairy grab heads out there there's much better shows you can be listening to <laughs> Rafe, i do uh, need to get you through this fight into the aftermath though do you have oh any boy. You here we okay go no this? i think i think we, we probably got I, well well no go ahead go ahead all right well the aftermath that i care about most Rafe, is errol spence's commitment to hashtag load watch 2019 we <laughs> thought this movement ended and died when Kate Abdo side piece Barack the boxing bully Bess of DAZN came on this show in May and was like, "I'm coming for all the loads." He Paul pierced us. He's like, "Like if you if you think you're gonna drop a load in boxing in 2019, I'm gonna come to your house and take it from you." But Rafe Errol Spence just loves us enough to hit us up with this on the Fox Post Game Show. Uh, no, I feel like I had to fight in control. Um, it was a lot of rounds where, you know, I just let him throw punches because I knew he was getting tired, and I just came forward with my hands up and let him sh- let him shoot his load because I knew Sean's the type of guy. If he's there, he's going to throw. He's going to throw nonstop, and he's going to throw until you move out the way or he moves out the way. So I let him shoot his load, and then I came back the next round and throw punches. It's just, that's just all about experience. That swing around some rounds, you know, you get Yeah, yeah all right, all right. Uh, double... Double load watch there from Spence. And then guess what happened the next day? We back, baby. Showtime's below the belt with Brendan Schaub. Food truck diaries with former UFC welterweight champion, Sean, uh, not Sean Porter, Tyron Woodley. Talking about how Colby was kind of doing. He overshot his load. He overshot his load. All right. Uh, Yeah, Rafe, your thoughts. Can you explain that? He's talking about Colby Covington. Yes, chaos. What what did he do to Um, to shoot a load? I believe they were talking about his negotiations with UFC and how it almost he overplayed his hand, so to speak. Yes, but the 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 bigger thing that we need to talk about is Danny Garcia entering the ring. Fox talking matter of fact that the fight's happening, and then within twenty four hours, your colleague Mike Coppinger, top copperator confirming that this is the plan for, I think, January, the week before the Super Bowl. Uh, no mention of Pacquiao outside of Spence one time in the postgame show and also at the press conference. And uh, it leads into, by the way, there was, did you see that weird press conference debate between Spence and Porter over Bobby Brown? I mean, it, it's just my prerogative, but that went a little too far. But uh, your thoughts on DSG, because this got boxing Twitter fired up. My heart belongs to a Danny. Danny, he's mine. <laughs> yeah. Uh, look, I give that the morning bird call, Brian. Ah! Ah! Um, that's the bird I, call. This, look, it was it. I it was a lame in ring reveal. It wasn't delivered with a lot of. It was no panache at all. I, I mean, there was some panache in in that like crushed velvet mahogany jacket not mahogany maroon mauve jacket that uh that danny was wearing but he is de- he's always uh high on the style meter for for boxing he's the swag champ just to remind you <laughs> i i'm not danny gonna say those has words. a stick yes that was danny jacobs by the way you can't you just can't be out here confusing danny's <laughs> um but look i i it was the and it was also confusing because in the ring Heidi Andral's like we're announcing this Spence 
poor Spence Port well Spence Garcia is happening and then it was kind of walked back they, yeah, they say Jim, well this is not all, really happening we don't Gray know probably there. and then then we get the cop tweet it still hasn't been totally announced I don't I don't really care um really despite all the the back and forth the the all that nonsense all the all that poppycock Brian I think it's just a this is this is this is what we thought. This is what I thought was going to happen. I, I didn't. I, I no part of me ever believed that Manny Pacquiao was going to fight Errol Spence next if he after he beat Sean Porter. That that I did it's not a, believe was going to happen. No part of me believed that Errol Spence was going to fight Terrence, Terrence Crawford. There, okay, there it next. is. There's the conversation. And just to and, and just to Manny some facts on Manny that. wanted Mikey. We knew that going way back. Yeah, Manny the, was at the the the, the Spence Garcia fight. Just in case Mikey won, right. because then they could fight. Then they could set up the fight that Manny wanted. And something Manny, I said on the IA pod, and I want to get your take on yeah. that, is one thing. The Fox uh, pro- head of programming guy did a scrum with the media and said, "Look, if the Fury Wilder collaboration between ESPN and Fox goes well in February, you can expect Spence Crawford in 2021." Which, of course, makes us all groan. More marination, May Maypack all over again. But speaking of Maypack. I really think that's the reason. Without having any inside info, I think that's the reason why PBC doesn't want to put Manny anywhere near Spence. One, to keep Manny's brand going because he's arguably really the third the third most important stock option for PBC after Wilder, Spence, and probably above David Benavides, who we're going to talk about shortly. Probably, yeah. Put him in there with Mikey for a pay-per-view that would probably sell, and Pacquiao probably wins. And then you get Maypack 2 next year, and it's massive. So if that's what we're getting, I'm not going to get mad that, well, you know, the next in line should be Pacquiao. I could see getting more mad at the Crawford side of it and being like, boxing, why can't we just have nice things and have that fight next? With all that said, though, Rafe, I'm really not mad at this Danny Garcia fight. I get why people are like, he doesn't deserve it. No, he doesn't deserve it. But in the end, I do want all these guys to face each other. So it's a damn good fight in my eyes. Dude, Danny's elite. Danny's got that one punch counter shot power. That's going to be a hell of a chess match. Yeah, look, I'm not I'm not mad at it either because it is a good fight. Is it the best possible fight? No, it is not. It's probably I don't know, third or fourth. But there we're we're seeing now as these big welterweight fights are finally getting around to being made we are finally making the best of the best style fights in welterweight let them all fight each other is it going to happen in the order we want them to happen in as hardcore fans no it's not i mean do you want carlos ocampo next do you want a mandatory do you want it to be you know mean machine or somebody no if it's got to be danny dude that's a pay-per-view danny garcia brings fans and that's a fight he can win I don't I don't care if it's a pay-per-view. I don't care. It, it's just a good fight. I don't care how much money they make. I hope they make money so they keep making good fights. But besides that, it uh, like I ain't a businessman. I'm just a writer, I suppose. You're just a business. And what? Man. Yeah, no, I ain't that either. Um, um, did you think that Jim Gray needed to? T- By the way, I love me some Heidi Andrell. Great person. Uh, had a chance to meet her over the weekend at this party that I got to tell you about on the show in a second. But uh, did you think that Jim Gray would have come in and and taken the mic from Andrell and been like, hey, 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 all right. I'm sorry, Danny. This is Errol's night. Whose night? What I think? What maybe he should have said? This is Sean's night. 
I mean, I guess it was Danny's night in the end, so we didn't need Jim Gray there. But um, it was weird. I get it. I like the fight. Get off. Um, you got any other lingering thoughts on Spence Porter so we can move on? Because we got a lot of Triple G to get. What are, are we, are we going to get a little bit into the, the Crawford merry-go-round? Yes, let's do that right now. Um, uh, let me tell you exactly what's happening. Let me tell you – well, not exactly because I don't know. But let me be very confident – in pretending I know exactly what's happening and tell you exactly what's happening. And that is... Do you know what's happening? I know what's happening, man. Uh, I know what's happening. I know this. Let me... I'm calling the shots as I see them, Brian. I know this game. And this game, Brian, PBC is diminishing Terrence Crawford's value for the eventual fight. Is that fair? Yes. Is that nice? No. No. It's not... We don't have to like it, but that's what they're doing. That's why they're pretending he doesn't exist. That's why... You see Errol Spence's trainer talking about, oh, even top rank don't treat him right. Errol Spence is saying the same thing. They're all Oscar talking about saying, how little money he makes. Dude, Oscar's They're basically reducing – what's that? Oscar De La Hoya at every turn is saying it as well. Have you seen that? Sure. No, I don't care what Oscar, Oscar – Oscar, this is an A and B conversation. Oscar no, 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 can no, see Oscar's, his way out. Oscar's scared that Aram is going to steal Canelo, so that's why he's coming back with you're going to prevent Bud from being a Hall of Famer. Fine, whatever. Um, Oscar was a they, freak. Keep going. All of, they're, they're, so they're creating this sort of fictional world in which Errol Spence doesn't exist, complete with the terrible. I you I don't have you seen the terrible Errol Spence clear out punch, Mike's fight and Mike Tyson's punch out cartoon they played at the beginning of this broadcast. No, no, no. It made me want to jump off a bridge. And it's like, first of all, how are they going out there acting like the other their other fighters are chopped liver it was like a thing where Errol Spence is is you know is what's his name little little Mike little Dan little, little Mac. Brian little Mac little Mac yeah um goes in Errol Spence is that and he's knocking out every other PBC welterweight so Manny Danny Garcia Keith Thurman it's like wait a minute what, these guys are mad that 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 they're being used and being put out there as patsies um but in any case Terrence Crawford ain't part of this picture until he until Errol Spence continues unifying, continues getting big wins, and continues building his pay-per-view profile in a way that, unfortunately, because PBC controls the other best welterweights besides Terrence Crawford, Terrence Crawford cannot build himself in the same way. He doesn't have that option. So by the time they get to that fight in 2021, if we're lucky, shit, 2022, because these guys are— How dare you? How dare, how, how dare Look, who are we dealing with? All people in boxing are ass a-holes. Well, let, me, uh, let me tell you one thing about Crawford. Right, Terrence Crawford, quite frankly, is a guy who's a bad man. Right. Who thinks he is the B-E-S-T at 147 pounds. And I got news. I got news for the Americans of the world that there's no Americans left, Rafe. There's nobody for him to fight on the top rank side. I'm sorry, Kelbrook ain't making 147 again. Um... There's no he's boxed out. It's unfortunate for him. But but does that fuel what's really happening here? You made an astute point. They're trying to lower his value for whenever that fight happens, that Spence would be the clear a side. They have an opportunity. And they're going they're going to succeed. But will the panic on the Bob Arum Crawford side lead to this fight happening sooner than later because they don't have anybody else for him? So if they believe that he could beat Spence. Then maybe they say, look, we'll take less money. We'll do it on Fox PBC's terms, but we'll make the fight because we think that our guy actually is the BEST. And if he does beat Spence and have three of the four welterweight titles, 
then that's going to open the floodgates for more of these PBC crossovers because they would have to. I think that he I think that they would do that, but I don't think the opportunity is going to be there. I think that they're going to keep icing them out and let Spence clear out welterweight at, at PBC as best as as many of those names as he can get. Are you ready for the, in the next question? year, year and a half? Here's the hardest question on this topic. Uncle Al, who we know very little about. Does he believe in his heart of hearts that Spence would be Crawford? In his heart of hearts, believe? Probably not, because no one should believe, other than the fighters and their team should believe that. This what I'm saying is, will this he is have fear? like a, a pick 'em fight between is, two great fighters. So, is would there be? Then you're saying there's plenty of reason in Al's mind to not not dent Spence's value right now because he's now he had he's set up to head, headline his third pay per view in less than a year. So, why would you put him in a spot where he could lose it all? Is that what you're saying? I wasn't even thinking necessarily that, but that's a good point too. You might as well clean up. Plus, yo, I mean, if we know this, this is why Top Rank does in-house fights. This is why Golden Boy Boy does in-house fights. This is why Triple G Promotions has given us some some gnarly in-house undercard fights on <laughs> on Saturday night. And this is why PPC does in-house fights because in-house you get to keep all the money. So why why split the baby? If you don't have to until you have to How, my one my one thing where uh, about this is that if anything, if if this doesn't come off, if we marinate and all of a sudden we Errol Spence realizes, oh, crap, I can't make 147 anymore, which is not impossible and would not be unreasonable if that if his body changes. And he can't. And, he's and, talking then, about then, Julian Williams. They're talking openly. I know. About. I saw. I, he, they're putting him in there in the who should he fight next graphics, even though they announced who he's going to fight next. Yo, this stuff is so dumb and confusing sometimes. Um, but yeah, if if Errol Spence grows out of the division and he doesn't, and before he fights Terence Crawford, that is a mark on Errol Spence's legacy. Wow, that's. You might not be wrong. You might. It not should be. be. I, that look, he he he'll still be a Hall of Famer. He'll still be. He'll still he'll still win enough fights, probably to be top two or three pound for pound at some point in his career. He could go up and beat Canelo. I mean, I don't know if what he would. I don't of, know if that fight would happen. But what, it, people I, will still be like, "But you didn't fight true. Crawford." So what do you think about that weird Spence tweet in the last twenty four hours that talked about? Almost needing to get in better shape so he doesn't waste more of his training camp taking off weight. Did you see that weird tweet? You know what I'm talking about? Was that him yes. openly admitting that he wasn't, that he's allowing himself to get fat between fights? Or was that his way of telling us that his welterweight future is, is brief? I mean, you saw when him and Crawford had their little face to face in the, in the in the arena that one time, Crawford touching him in the belly, saying, "Look at you, you're fat, man." Yeah, you're Which, no longer a Walter weight. Look at you. I'm a natural Walter weight. Brian, that that reminds me. You know what the most disappointing part of sat last Saturday night was? Which was a great night overall. Great night. It was Keith Thurman on the broadcast saying welterweight. Yeah, what is that? That's like a compromise into corporate life that I'm not ready for. I'm not. I don't like that. Like, I <laughs> don't, mean, I, don't. Yeah, d d fight the power, Keith. Come Damn, on, Keith. All about, it's, all, it's all about. It's all about the lube. Yeah, you got lubed in there. I don't. I'm not into that. Um, Rafe, we gotta roll on. So all right, give me move me your, on. Move me on. Give me Push your on. 30 seconds on David Benavidez, future star who stopped Anthony Durrell, won back his BC title, brawled effectively and fun. I am so freaking excited 
at a long-term Benavides caleb plant fight, I cannot tell you. Like, that styles, personalities, Rafe, that's a bonanza right there. Yeah, that's 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 a lot of fun. I don't it'll probably marinate a little bit, which is fine. They both just won belts. Benavidez is so young. Plant is still in what, mid twenties? Was it twenty six, twenty seven or yeah, something? Yeah, by the way, I'm hearing gross rumors of a plant angulo fight. Gross rumors. That's really gross. Please don't do that. Please, please leave El Perro alone. <laughs> um, Him and his brother used to bang it out all the time. Yeah, they banged it out a little too many times. Um, <laughs> but uh, look, they're going to have mandatories. I, th- I, th- I thought we we're going to get the, the IVF mandatory for Caleb Plant, the one and only Vince Feigenbutz no, no, from no, no, Germany no, no, coming no. over. Bring it. I, I, look, I would rather see Plant uh, fight a, a mandatory from Germany who at least is not in severe mortal danger. Well, for, um, for as good as Benefita's looked and as great as he looked, he didn't there look were some great, people, Brian. Okay, well, that's what I want to say. There were there were some people, I thought he looked great, but there was a lot of people who thought he squared up too much and didn't show great footwork. I watched him cut off the ring at will against a really good boxer in Darrell whenever he wanted. I think, I think he looked good, but also showed, you saw some of the limitations, right? You, you see, you saw the strengths, which is, look, he is... Got an incredible, what appears to be a hell of a beard, which is not insane because how big he looks for 168 is just out, outrageous. Um, and, but he, and by the way, Darrell got beat by a man with titties. Keep going. He Look, this man with titties is going to beat a lot of other men who don't have titties. That's just how it is. Um, Benavidez, yeah, he walked through. So it's, it's how do you want to interpret it? Because Darrell early in that fight landed clean 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 shots uh when 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 benavides was just trying to walk in uh counters leads and, and big rights and benavides just shrugged them off smiled did the did the crazy jason Voorhees smile i mean that that has got to be the best thing about david benavides right now he does the the best crazy eyed Voorhees. i am going to like i am i i am going to love disemboweling you smile in the sport right now wow that's gross yes that's that's the smile that's the look man you were in the room i don't know how you oh did you did you wet yourself when he did that how dare you this is disgusting keep going here um (laughs) gun to your head long term will this be the reality for benavidez if he does get into a plant fight you can't handle your speed son that's a that's going to be an issue now the other thing look we we have a little bit of historical revisionism going on on here. I would encourage you to revisit the collaboration between Caleb Plant and Jose Uzcategui in my favorites folder right now because Plant won that fight clearly. Impressive performance. He was he also got beat up a little bit. I mean, his face was busted up. He was bleeding. He. Uzkategi did catch up with him a bit late in that fight, and there were some moments when I was like, "Oh man, is the is the is the is the ball gonna roll down the other hill on this one?" Plant pulled it out, good for him. But you got to think that if if you rank if you rate David Benavidez higher than Jose Uzkategi, then a guy a bigger guy with a longer jab who throws more fluid combinations when he can get into his spot, when he get his feet set, 
is going to be able to do a little bit better against Plant. So, yeah, there are going to be parts in that fight where Plant clowns Benavidez. Early, he's going to be way fresher. But over 12 rounds, it's going to get interesting. This and could be Chavez I, I, I would love to see one it. all over again. This could be wild. This could be great, man. It blew up on me. I got spanked. Let me wipe the egg from my face. In, in a good way. This could be great. All right, we got to get away from Saturday night unless you want to talk uh, about Wash Molina. No. Big win for no, Cito. Oh, Mario Barrios got a win he didn't deserve. We're going to move on from there. I'm I'm comfortable with that. Because that's what men should do right now. Before we throw it to Triple G, Rafe, talk about the latest news and all that. Um, You know those sponsored boxing parties, media dinners that we get offered once in a while? I used to know them, Brian, but I don't really know them very well anymore. Uh, educate me. I went to a great one. Okay, so here's what it is. Like sometimes a sponsor or a promoter will put it on. Hey, media, thanks for coming out all this way. Here's open bar, free food, maybe even a goodie bag, right? We have went to ones that were sponsored by like some hard alcohol and you get like a goodie bag of a t-shirt and a bottle or whatever uh this one was sponsored post weigh-in at the new shaquille o'neal restaurant in la live by contenders clothing you know these people they make the um the boxer underwear that look like the rocky shorts from the from like drago and balboa and creed they also make karate kid style ones have you ever seen them they make t-shirts. I don't, I'm, I'm, I'm more familiar with the really disgusting British brand oddballs no. that Tyson Fury <laughs> and Ted Cheeseman wear and the really tight boxer briefs that make you a little uncomfortable. They come uh, in lots of colors. No. Um, they also make those t-shirts that you see a lot of fighters wear that say like Rocky beat Drago 1985 or whatever. You know what I'm saying? Anyway, they sponsor this party. We go because the fastest way to a boxing writer's heart is anything free. Rafe? This was fun. This turned out really fun. There's pro wrestlers there, which I know you don't care about, even though this is the biggest week in pro wrestling history with the launch of AEW. SmackDown moving to Fox on Friday night. Uh, some AEW wrestlers were there. SCU got to meet them. Chris Cyborg shows up. John Molina's there 24 hours before his fight. Jack <laughs> Reese comes in. I'm drinking beers with Jack Reese. We're t I'm talking about the time he told Edwin Rodriguez to get off his lawn against Andre Ward. Um, Jack Reese was like, it's not a blow blow all night, all night on Saturday. I'm trying to get Sergio Mora into a third fight with Peter Manfredo, and he's into it. Um, cops there. Uh, then suddenly Coach Haas walks in, Rafe. And Coach Haas and I are having this drunken convo about life. I got like a 30-minute breakdown on the guy who threw the pizza at VO and how Coach Haas attacked him and how afterwards Coach Haas had a chance to press charges, but he found out that the guy who threw the pizza would never get to see his kids again if he did, so he let the guy go to save the family. Coach Haas is an American original, Rafe. Got a great goodie bag. Had a lot of crazy conversations. Met Heidi Andrel. And at the end, as I'm walking out, Rafe, guess who walks in? Guess. Um, Dude, is, oh, literally, man, like, like a tree. I'm young, but I don't think I deserve to be, you know, getting beat up like this. And I had a, uh, there was an intoxication level and I talked to VO like a man, like a fan. Talked man to man with him, Rafe. He's training with Freddie Roach, bro. Four months into the new relationship, he's going to be back. He wants a third Birdo fight. 
And we talked fatherhood, rape. It was fantastic. It wasn't legendary night, all right? No, no, no. It didn't didn't talk rape charges though. Oh god. Did I have? Uh, should I not have brought I mean, that like, up? Like, like you know, I'm buzzed. You're a buzz kill. You're a C blocker. Um, <laughs> um, it's funny you bring VO up because did you happen to see over the weekend somebody caught VO hanging out at LA Live probably on that Friday before uh the sun went down and the 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 drinks started flowing. Oh, this um, was day drinking. Thank you. Was- oh, oh, nice, nice. And uh VO cut a promo on Mikey Garcia. I heard saying, about this. I heard it was You want to you want to be at welterweight, bro? You don't belong at this weight. You want to you want to be at come fight me. And like it was it was a lot of bitterness over Whatever went down in Oxnard between Victor Ortiz and the and the and the Garcia family with former trainer Robert Garcia's brother, um, and I guess the question then is is would you I I, I can talk myself into that fight, Brian. Yeah, but I can that, that, talk. I know Mikey's got bigger yeah, things going on right now. Mikey. But if Mikey fights Manny and then loses. Dude, which I'm I can into, see happening. I'm more into and this. needs to get back. Do you? Stop Come it, on, stop it. Vo, stop it. Mikey nope, Garcia no, at no, 147, no, 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 where no, no, he's no. got all that size. No, 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 no. Um, dude, we talk about that wash side of the PBC bracket. That 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 you know, there's plenty of fights for Vo. There's plenty of Birdo trilogies. Yeah, but this one has this one has real grudge elements to it. This is personal. How about Jose like, rematch? Jose Cito is going to get a bigger fight. <laughs> yeah, he's probably going to get sent to the deep, dark depths for, for his win over Molina. Let, but, him, uh, let him fight for like a WBA regular against somebody. Let him fight again. Uh, let him fight one of those. Let him fight a, a Lipinets or something. That'd be an awesome fight. Oh, do you know what? We got to get. Oh, they both they both train with Robert, right? Yeah, yeah. You don't want No, no, no. no, no Goosen no, no. has Lipinets. Yes. Um, Coach Haas, we need him on the show. He had amazing stories about being on the private jet with VO after the loss to Floyd, about being in the locker room with VO before the first Berto fight. This guy's a gold mine. And guess who else I talked to, Rafe? Who's the guy, uh, the, the Showtime uh, translator? Felix DeJesus, the Foxy oh, Showtime nice. translator. Talked to him about some great Ray Torres moments you know water on my balls and talk to felix about his own famous one that we talk to on this show all the time about wanma and the referee gambling <laughs> great times wish i had better details but i just wanted to share with you how much fun i had over the weekend all right don't have the sound ready thought i did but um the guy, sounded boring he's saying the referee has gambling problems yes. still sounded boring all right rafe um hey I want to throw to this now. We're going to break down the fight later. We're going to talk to Jonathan Banks later. I want to talk to Triple G right now. That's the main That's the main ingredient of this show. That's I the want main guys. I want guys, guys. We got Triple G. Had him in Manhattan yesterday talking all things Canelo, the technician, the Curtis Stevens face. You're going to want to hear this coming at you right now. Enjoy. New York City for the big fight this weekend. Former middleweight champion Gennady Golovkin against Sergei Derevchenko for the vacant IBF middleweight title. Gennady, back where you belong, on top in a title fight. How are you feeling coming into this one? I feel great. You know, just I feel very excited because yeah, you're right. We have two belts, IBF and IBO. Yeah, just for me, it's more important to go back. You know, come back. Just is my, you know, this is my stuff. Second fight of your DAZN deal. This will be a big fight. Madison Square Garden, New York. A building you've done some business in between David Lemieux, Daniel Jacobs. How much do you feel the history when you walk in there? 
yeah, I had good experience. I like the garden, you know, just I feel like I'm my second home, you know, just oh, absolutely amazing. You know, right now, again, championship fight, you know, great opponent, everything got back. You'll be back in a title fight. This is the vacant IBF title stripped from Canelo Alvarez. How much different compared to your last bout against Steve Rolls when there's a title on the line? How much different is your mindset coming in? Not a lot. You know, just I remember my last fight with Steve Rolls. He's, you know, undefeated. You know, nobody beat him. Just, you know, every fight for me, like championship fight, I feel, you know, just like a all fight dangerous, all fight important for me. And just, you know, this is my stuff, yeah. We've seen Derevinchenko, the technician, on the title level before, push Daniel Jacobs, one of your former opponents, to the limit. When you watched that fight, Derevinchenko and Jacobs, what were your takeaways? Yes, I remember I saw this. I watched this fight. You know, just my point. You know, just more important. Like he, the same coach. You know, the same coach, like training Jacobs and Sergey. You know, just if his coach stay in. Sergey's corner, maybe Sergey his win. You know, just nobody knows. Like, I don't know, just very close fight, like 50-50 fight. You know, for me, he's like a good quality sparring. You know, not like a real fight. Because Daniel, he knows him long time. He worked with him like all sparrings. You know, just Sergey knows Daniel long time. You know, like a, like a good sparring. When you say... The Jacobs Derevinchenko fight was like a good sparring match. Does that imply that neither fighter put their foot on the gas and went after it? Probably yes. You know, just uh, I'm very focused to my fight because you know, just uh, his corner, he knows me, his team, he knows me like long time, and this is a big chance for all team, not for special for Sergey. You know, and I know him the same. I know him long time. He's represent like Kazakhstan national. Not national, like uh, WSB team, you know, Ukraine national team, you know. He's a very good fighter. And probably, you know, just, I know, I understand, it's not easy fight for us. And, you know, two titles, you know, big chance. Like, nobody knows, you know. <laughs> just, I I believe we bring, you know, like, amazing show for us. No, just well, Derevinchenko has proven in a short time he can box, he can punch, a smart fighter. How will it match up with the skills that you bring to the table? What type of fight do you expect? Absolutely. You know, just, you know, he's a very good fighter. And I think this, this is a big test, test for us for this year, you know, for him and for me. Because, you know, probably he said this is a dream fight for him. And I, I know this is biggest test for this year for me. You know, if he want to come back, I, I need, I want to beat him. This is a big fight for you because it's your uh, second fight, right, with with new trainer Jonathan Banks? Right, it's second time. Second time after parting ways with Abel Sanchez after many years. What's the difference for you as a fighter in camp between the old ways with Abel and what you're doing with Jonathan? Oh, completely different, you know, just right now. I have more ideas, like, you know, like new class, like, you know, new coach, new... Like new teacher, you know, just I feel completely different. I have different people in my team. You know, just I feel more comfortable. Now, Jonathan has history from the Kronk Gym, the great late Emmanuel Stewart. How much of the great teachings that Emmanuel taught him do you feel like he's inserting right into you? Absolutely. This is very amazing for me, you know, just amazing time for me. Just, yeah, he's, he all time stay with Emmanuel Stewart, you know, 
he had good experience, you know. I like it, you know, I love it, his experience, you know, he brings so many ideas for this, you know, for me. He opened my eyes, you know, just so, I'm so excited. Now, you train in Big Bear still, which is where you trained for many years under Abel Sanchez. Do you ever run into your old coach around town, maybe at the grocery store? Is it awkward at all? No, it's never. I don't know why, just, no. Yeah, you're right, I think in Big Bear, no, not this time. Is uh, some of the tough words that Abel said about you after parting ways, has that been resolved between you two? You know, he talked a lot, you know, just I don't want to touch, you know. It is his point, you know, just my side is just, you know, just I respect everything. He give me, like, a lot of time, you know, just I give him a lot of points, you know. If he doesn't want to stay with me, just it's his problem, not my problem. Bernard, you've accomplished so many things, tied for the middleweight record for title defenses with Bernard Hopkins, 37 years old now, and I'm sure every interview, your age, your age, what does that mean? How do you feel these days compared to when we first saw you in 2012 on American soil? I feel smart. I had good experience, you know, just I feel my stuff, all my uh, style, my power, my speed. Just I, I feel very, like, you know, like an old fox, you know, just I feel smart. So the the... the thing that you gain with age is wisdom. Is that where you're going with this? Absolutely. You know, just last couple fights, you know, have good experience. All right. Well, come on. We can't talk to Gennady Golovkin without mentioning that man's name, Canelo Alvarez. You thought you'd be fighting him this fall. We thought it. DAZN thought it. The fans thought it. Why are you not fighting Canelo Alvarez right now? I don't know, really. Just ask him. Just, I'm ready. I'm still ready. I wanted this fight for this September, you know, because this, seriously, this is good for deal, for business, for people. You know, this is biggest fight for us, you know. I don't know why. Ask him, please. Well, when I do ask him, and I have many times, yeah. you seem to get a, a feeling from him that he doesn't like you at all. Is it justified? I, I don't know why. You know, just his promoter said, just yes. He said, no, you know, just his problem. No, probably he has problem with his promoter at this point. How do you feel about him as a person? When you hear the name Canelo Alvarez, what feelings do you get on the inside? You know, it doesn't matter for me. You know, just right now it's so bad history. I don't want to touch his side. You know, just I don't touch this name because it's so bad. He's got a big fight, though, against Sergey Kovalev coming up in November, moving up two weight divisions, light heavyweight. This came as a shock to a lot of fans. You and him have such history at middleweight. How do you think he would fare against a guy in Kovalev who you sparred with in the past, you have history with? You no, know, right now it's a different time, you know, different time. You know, I remember him like a couple of years ago. It's completely different. Right now, you know, he doesn't want to fight with me in September this time, you know. I know like dozen people said hey, do you have just one variant A just going to up to Kovalev? He said yes, okay, no problem. This point, that's it. What does that decision tell you about Canelo? Not for me, you know. Just he, I just want. Just he doesn't want to fight with me. That's it. Who do you think wins that fight when Canelo Alvarez moves up to face Sergey Kovalev? I think people and Sergey, because you know he, this is the biggest chance for him. He has a lot of money for future. Yeah, he wins. Just not boxing win. Just you know, like life will win. Well, one thing Canelo had said about fighting you a third time is right now you don't have a world title. You don't bring anything to the table in terms of history for his point of view. But you can win another world title on Saturday against Sergei Derevchenko. 
What would a win there do for a potential of a third fight with Canelo? And when would you see that being? You know, it doesn't matter what he's talking, Canelo. No, he's not promoter. He's just fighter. You know, he's nothing. You know, he said, I don't want to fight because he doesn't have fight, you know, title. Come on. He's, he's not true. You know, it's not serious. Take your time. Take your time. You respect him as a man? It's completely different, you know, just like a man or like a boxer. So it's a different time right now. What's interesting, Gennady, is sometimes when two fighters have a rivalry inside the ring that gets so physical, your two fights with him, incredible action fights, you become friends afterwards. Thank Gotti and Ward training each other, becoming best friends in the years after. Could you ever imagine a day where you pick up the phone and call Canelo Alvarez, ask about the family? Not right now. Not right now. Just ask him. Just he's, I don't know. He's, he's still like the same. Like, you know, I understand. I'm not understand his side. You know, just, I'm a regular guy. Just, you know, just I'm a very true guy. I don't have nothing for him. You are a regular guy. Father of three. What's Gennady Golovkin doing these days when you put boxing aside for fun? So loosen up. You know, I stay with my family. Just this is my important time with family. All right, 37 years old, accomplished so much. Are you ever in a point yet where you start to think about what you accomplished? Or is that more for down the road after it's all said and done? You know, I have a good plan for future. I have deal with the zone for future. You know, I have my promotions, Triple G promotions. I have a couple guys. You know, this is more important for me. So you're certainly doing well from a business and financial standpoint. But what's left in terms of accomplishments that drives you to keep fighting? You know, I want to steal healthy. I want to steal, you know, the smart. You know, this is my business point and this is my job. I want to steal smart. All right. Do you still hear the original Gennady Golovkin catchphrases once in a while? The, the, the good boy, the, the big gift to people. Yeah. You, which one makes you laugh the most? Which one gives you a big smile? I don't know. Just, you know, I like all my stuff. You know, just people like my stuff. If you people seriously, if you people better support me, like like true fight, please welcome to my fight. You've been a fan favorite throughout most of your career. Why do you think that's the case? People don't seem to have a negative word ever to say about you publicly. I don't know because you know just people feeling feeling my you know st- style or just why not? Just people sometimes talking bad, you know like. Couple promotions, I know. Couple promotions, you know. This is bad. You know, this is bad. Not for me. It's for for sport, for boxing. You know, this is bad stuff. And people, you know, people knows me. You know, you've become a crossover name in the United States. People know you even beyond boxing. But in Kazakhstan, your native country, what's it like when you get off the airplane and you walk around? I, I'm imagining Elvis Presley, the Beatles. How do the people in your home country receive you these days? Oh, just of course, like people support me. I don't want to say I'm like a hero or like a you know. I don't know. Just I'm a regular guy. Just I'm original from Kazakhstan. People knows this. You know, just people come up to me like said, "Oh, gee, like thank you. You know, we like your style. You like everything. Just we better support you. Like is appreciated, my fans." All right, Kanadi. Um. These days on the internet, on Twitter, there's a thing called memes. In the boxing Twitter, a lot of people like to take pictures of funny things and put it out there. When you fought Curtis Stevens, 
at Madison Square Garden that time. You knock him down early. He makes the Curtis Stevens face. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, right. I remember. Yeah, I, I know what it is. Do you see this floating around on the internet? Does it make you laugh? It's, no, this is true. This is not funny. You know, this is so horrible. You know, just emotions. This is not funny. All right. I know it's not the end of your career right now, but do you have a favorite moment? Do you have a greatest hit for Gennady Golovkin? I've been ringside at a lot of them. For me, the body shot to Matthew Macklin may have been peak Golovkin. For you, what's your favorite moment up to this point? Wow, just every fighter is different. Every fight is different. I like everything. I remember Rubio, yeah, you're right. Matthew Macklin, you know, Daniel Jacobs. I don't know, just oof. Then uh, Gil, I remember Gil or Lemieux. Everybody, you know, I can't, I can't. Everybody. Don't forget Proxa. That was a big one too. Proxa too, like first fight with yeah, Proxa. It's an amazing fight. All right, you said at thirty-seven. Now the wisdom is big in your head. You've you've learned a lot from the two fights against Canelo, two fight of the year contenders. What have you learned the most? Maybe through mistakes, experience that you can use moving forward. You know, just I have a just I learned just very good experience from business. You know, from boxing business. That's it. How how hard is that to be a champion boxer, but also a champion businessman and making those decisions? Does it come natural for you? You know, yeah, of course. You know, this is life. This is life. You know, I learn every day. Just right now, I still more smart. I feel like a you know like an old fox. Some people criticized you in the second Canelo fight for not going to the body enough. Is that something with your new trainer that we'll see you address in the future? I think so. You know, just I remember I yeah, my second fight with him. Just I beat him by like, a lot of punches, a lot of points. You know, just it doesn't matter body or you know hand. Probably yeah. We work a lot. We work very hard every day for for this next opponent. Just maybe I show you. I can't wait again. This is on Saturday, Madison Square Garden against Sergey Derevinchenko on the zone. Big time fight, the vacant IBF title. Do you think Canelo Alvarez will be an interested observer on Saturday? I don't know, just it doesn't matter for me. Just I don't want to touch him, you know, just I don't want to touch his name or his promoter. He's horrible for me. I'm you know, just so bad. And what can fans expect when you step inside that ring at MSG? Maybe a big gift for people? What do what do you think? Absolutely, this is a big gift to people because you know, not just my fight, like Good card, good like all boxing event, you know. Just if you really want watch true fight, championship fight, please welcome to Madison Square Garden. No sparring matches here. This is the real deal. No, absolutely, it is true fight. All right, Gennady Golovkin, great chat with you. Best of luck on Saturday against Sergey Derevchenko at MSG. Thank you so much. And we're back, Rafe. Happy, Gennady, right? Yeah, smiling, happy people holding hands was that was was that interview. I he think. has a new, he has an even newer translator now. I'm sure you heard that guy whispering in the background, but um, uh, he's ready, he's happy, and he pretty much hates Canelo. It was good times, right? <laughs> it's like I don't want to talk about that guy. It's uh, it's a terrible thing. <laughs> you need to ask him. You need to ask him. Yeah. Yeah. Look, it was fine. What did you? You don't really ever learn anything from from speaking to Gennady Golovkin, but well, you never have we, a bad time either. Jamie Fox heard the interview. Here's his analysis. You know, I thought Triple G was getting in that ass. Right. Right. It was not. It was not close to an interview. But um, 
this is going to be an interesting fight on Saturday. He seemed to have the right respect for Derevchenko. Mentioned how much he knew him from the past, from the amateurs, from back in the day. What do you think about though the little sly hey Gennady when I forced him to give me a Canelo Kovalev result, and he went Sergey. Well, I thought I kind of thought I, I interpreted that slightly different. He's like, I'm not boxing in life is a win for Sergey Kovalev, which oh, to me I mean I I kind of thought he yeah I thought he meant that he's like I'm not really going to tell you what I think is going to happen in the fight, but I'm happy that Sergey Kovalev is getting this payday and will make a lot of money. Whatever happens, it's a win. In he's winning the game of life. Which man, if you if you pulled the boxing public two months ago. Is Sergey Kovalev winning the game of life? I bet they probably wouldn't have said yes, but now, yeah. Well, I think you could say that. Airplane ride, yeah. Um, but now he is. Uh, hey, by the way, did you see those comments? John David Jackson, former Kovalev trainer, was on the Ask the Experts podcast with Kern Batia, and he said that uh, he kind of basically just brought out the old trash and was like, "Yeah, Kovalev was drunk, openly drunk at the second Andre Ward presser." And that basically gave it away to them at what kind of fight it would be. And he's basically a crooked drunk. They didn't know before then? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're probably right. It was interesting interesting thoughts there, though. But uh, thank you, Triple G. You're a good boy. Rafe, I like having fun with him. He likes yeah, – he, he, he plays likes... along a little bit. I, I – <laughs> You know, I I kind of wanted you to ask him where, why the why the new eye? Where does Gennady eye come from? Oh, that's a good question. Yeah, you're right. I blew it. I dropped the ball. All right, all right. You're serious? Yeah, I'm serious. Um, all right, Rafe. Quick news and nuggets here to run through. Um, did you see the Bro Adrian Broner interview with Radio Rahim in the tunnel? The- after Spence Porter, we've heard in the past Dwyer's thoughts. In my opinion, the sun is setting on Adrian Broner. Well, it may have set because he t- he basically said F you and F boxing to Radio Rahim and then announced his retirement, Rafe. Your thoughts? Oh, we don't get to hear that sound? It was no, there's awesome. there's too many F words. It in that. was awesome. Um... Who knows, Brian? He, if the right opportunity comes around, I could see Adrian Broner fighting again. If not, I wish him the best. I hope he, you know, does whatever, keeps, gets, get that money player in the best legal ways he knows how or, or don't get caught doing whatever else you want to do with your life. Um, who, who cares, man? He wasn't, he's not, Adrian Broner is no longer and really honestly hasn't been a important player in the high the elite level of boxing for two or three years he's a useful name he's a good measuring stick kind of turned into a high level gatekeeper who you could still sell as an important fighter because of his status because he's so good at selling a fight because he's such a big personality because he has a high profile he made money that way great for him if he doesn't want to fight no more that's probably not a bad decision because he wasn't taking the stuff seriously well he was linked with a fight with uh, Ivan Redcock. Oh, yeah, that I remember that. Yo. I saw Ivan at the fight. I talked to him. By the way, great dude. What's up, what's up with his hair? Did yeah, he's got he the green, that weird he's got golden fluorescent weird green chartreuse. Hair, working with Shane Mosley as his trainer. And I said, oh, that's what happened. I said, look, it's the, yeah. Hanging out with Tito. Hanging out with uh, Paws Posley Jr. Um, I asked him, like, hey, dude, does this fight happen? He's like, look, it still might. 
And I don't know if you saw the tweets he's trying to lure Broner into a fight with his aggressive tweets, but I love me some Ivan Redcotch. The guy's, the guy's like real funny. He's he's uh, very Borat-y, but he's very funny. Um, all right. Um, he should have, uh, Broner probably should have asked Raheem this. Why do they call you Radio Ryan? Because suckers never play me. All right. So uh, also in the news, Rafe, uh, oh, Robert Guerrero had a win on the undercard against some journeyman. And says he wants um, big fights next. Guy. What do you think about Victor Ortiz and Robert Guerrero? No. Okay. Um, no, I don't care about that. All right. Um, what do you think about Eddie Hearn winning the purse bid for one of my Lithuanians, Bisputin? Hey, he is one of his Russians. And um, going to DAZN and then Carl Moretti of Top Rank being like, thank God, on Twitter. That's what I think, too. Why, why should anyone care about it? I don't care. Like, I know that we have to report every bit of news as if it matters but i don't care it's a fight i know i don't want to watch all right uh also in the news callum smith to defend i'm his... glad that i don't have to upset the corner man by saying i don't care about the espn version of that fight callum oh, the, oh evan corn our man 2019 content provider of the year callum smith will defend his 168 belt on november 23rd against john Ryder. i love this british bloke once called his main event fight on uh DAZN back in the day uh you into that fight? You care? Ryder had a nice knockout on the um, on the Canelo Jacobs undercard. I've seen the guy a couple. Of, has he ever fought anybody? Is he's just like really. against who typer, right? Yeah, Southpaw got some pop. White, some white guy. Yeah. All right. Uh, moving I on here. Fight. <laughs> Did you see the uh, nice knockout from Daniel Dynamite Dubois over the weekend when he put a tattoo on Tete? <laughs> was hey. The more Dubois we get to see, the better. He's an exciting fighter. He obviously is not nearly as meaningful as the Gorman step up, beating another uh, another highly touted British pro- prospect who who a lot of people thought might had a chance to outbox him, kind of just beat the crap out of him in three rounds. Um, you know, knocking out Tete real quick. He's what a what a campaign in 2019. Beat the two. Most dangerous Ghanaian heavyweights out there, Richard Larte, with like the the Simon Phoenix beard, and then and then uh, our man Tete. Good for good for Dubois. Are you moved by the headlines that 55 year old Nigel Ben is making that comeback that was much debated, and it'll be against Saki, the corpse of Saki Obika, which really got Carl Frampton pissed off. It's making a wee bit of a mockery of a sport that I love, and I don't like it. That's how a top bloke expresses his discontent. A wee bit of a mockery. He's like, Ben hasn't um, fought since I was in the fourth grade. <laughs> that was an excellent accent, Brian. I loved it. Um, I think Carl has a point in this case. I have no clue what the hell this is. Also, he made a good point. What is the What commission is okay with this? Can I just make up my own commission tomorrow? I think you can, Carl. Call it Carl's commission, and you're in business. All right, this fight's a joke. I don't want to talk about it anymore. Um, let me go. Let me check some more headlines from my favorite website. Very important article today on one of the internet's best websites, BoxingScene.com. Right in which, in which, Yo, Rafe? Step, step aside, New York Review of Books. Step aside, Washington Post. Step aside, all of y'all. One of the most important journalism websites. Shout Boxing out to Rick Reno. Shout out to a CBS-owned property, by the way. Um, December 13th, a Friday night, the night before we're supposed to see Comey 
against Teofimo on the post-Heisman card. The zone is going to give us, whoa, Rave, Danny Jacobs, who has a stick, moving up to 168 pounds. Rafa? What's the deal? Does Danny Jacobs have bad breath or something? No, but he's got to fight against Julio Cesar Chavez Jr. Your thoughts, Rafe? This this sucks, Brian. I don't Chavez Jr. is funny, but Danny Jacobs has years left on in his late prime. This is a waste of that. I Bro, I'm happy even that Danny Jacobs M's. makes some money, but this is a bad fight. He's going to touch M's in this fight, and let's not forget how good he is. Jacobs is a puncher, right? Boxer, puncher. Think like Sugar Ray Robinson. Whoa. Wow, wow. All right, Dwy. Um, By the way, you know what Dwyer's thinking about, what he's riffing on lately, Rafe? He's talking math. He's talking boxing. Jeff Horn. He's talking Canelo's balls. Right? Catch weight suck. Um, I'm completely impressed, completely impressed by Canelo's audacity here. Folks, this is a legitimate light heavyweight title fight. This is not a marketing gimmick. Now, that said, let me just say the fight is upside down. Upside down. The middleweight, the guy who just fought at 160. Might be stronger at light heavyweight than the light heavyweight champ. Okay, he says that now, but we're going to get a hedge with Kovalev by KO by the end of this, right? I don't know. There will be some kind of hedge. Maybe the under, no, the over, the over. Uh, depends on where it goes. All right, catchweights do suck. Shout out to the size of Canelo's satchel. Um, you got any other news you want to talk about, Rafe? Uh, no. No, 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 no. All right. No, All right. I don't. All right. Uh, let's talk to Jonathan Banks, the Kronk Gym alumni, the trainer of Triple G. He's going to talk to us about the new relationship, about getting you fired up for this weekend's Derry Venchenko fight in DAZN, a service most of us have, by the way. DAZN's back. DAZN's got a, uh, you know, they got some things going on here, Rafe. I mean. You're talking Logan Paul? I thought DAZN was going to hit us between the eyes with some great fights. They are this fall, and actually it might start this Saturday. But let's throw it right now to Jonathan Banks, the former heavyweight and cruiserweight, the trainer of Triple G. Enjoy. Hey, Brian, Jonathan, how you hey, doing? Hey, doing great, man. Great to hear from you. Jonathan Banks. It's tra- my pleasure. Trainer to the stars and fight one. We're in the camp for the great Gennady Golovkin <laughs> ahead of this October 5th vacant middleweight title bout. Against a very tough technician there in Sergey Derevchenko. Um, this was big news. We didn't know which direction Gennady was going to go, which network, which a lot of things changing business wise, boxing wise. How much do you want to actually change though in this version of Triple G now that you're man in the controls in the corner? Well, it's not a, um, for me, it's not about just changing Triple G. Triple G is already. A top tier fighter. He's already um he he got the reputation for what he can things he could do. So it's not about um uh, so much for me changing him. It's just more about um let's get him back to his title. Let's get him back to his title. Let's make him a little bit more efficient instead of just you know 
just going in there and trying to get one one punch knockout and walking away. Yeah, definitely. When you begin this marriage, if you will, and 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 you guys meet and you talk about whether this is something that will work, and then you you sign on. How important is it off the start to really build that that emotional side of it, the trust, the the compatibility? Like, what what actually takes place to build that? You guys go out fishing for a while. How do you build that foundation? Believe it or not, it's so simple that we just sat down and had a conversation. And after the conversation, he stood up, shook my hand. He said, "Jv, this is gonna be great." I'm like, "I agree. Let's do it." <laughs> now, uh, are you guys training in in Big Bear, the same spot he's worked at for years? Um, not the same spot, but yes, Big Bear. So, does is it weird? Do you guys run into Abel Sanchez's former trainer? Is it like <laughs> seeing an ex girlfriend? What's that like? We're all professionals um, here. Well, for me, I, like I say, I, I have all the respect in the world for Abel. I've been knowing him for a very long time. But do I run into him? No, I don't run into him. But um, I don't. But you know, I, obviously, we run into a bunch of the guys that train at the gym and stuff like that. But yeah, nothing's weird for me. I'm I'm fine with the situation. <laughs> like I don't run into him. I run through him. No, no, just kidding. Uh, you have <laughs> you got the strong background of the legendary Cronk Gym, a, a disciple of the the late great Emmanuel Stewart, Hall of Fame trainer. Your personal mentor there. Um, how much of his teachings and stylings make up who you are as a trainer? Uh, about ninety nine point nine percent of it. <laughs> because um, I mean, I say this a lot, but you got a lot of guys who's already into the sport of boxing, and then they met Emmanuel. They got a little pointers from him, from him. They were like, well. We want to do it this way and X, Y, Z. But he the one introduced me to the to the sport as far as a true boxing teacher, you know, like a father figure, like a mentor, all that stuff. So he introduced me to the sport. So the years I was growing up traveling with him and learning from him different things about the sport, about training fighters and stuff like that. So I have gotten the majority of everything strictly from um from him are there uh, you know do you hear his voice in your head do you feel like when you're training for a big fight that that he's sitting next to you in some cosmic way i mean you i have to say yes because it's true it's like um it's like uh it's like a nascar racer you know if he got his if it's uh whatever coach coach him or like for over decades, and he's finally about to race. Every time you get into a big race, it's like he feel that he feel that aura around him to say, um, you know, what to do or good luck or keep keep your focus stuff like that. So that's that's kind of on order of how it is for me. That's cool, and certainly I would have to guess you knew Manny very well that he would have loved to have trained someone with Golovkin's combination of amateur background but finishing mentality i mean this this would have fit in great with the lineage of the kind of punchers that he trained yeah oh listen it would have fit him perfect because he's a man of knockouts and um and the thing about me is like that's how you know i've grown into the sport i, I love knockouts so we working hard for a knockout and it's no different with triple g but the only difference is now is we is we got a different way to go about the knockout. You know, we don't want to get 
I don't want him to get beat up for what for eight rounds, then get a knockout. So, oh, at least we got a knockout. I don't want that. It's, it's how he looks, his performance. Everything matters. Every little thing matters. How, is it a return to more of his amateurs? teachings and that in in the in the tools that he learned having been in that amateur system for so long is it sort of returned to that um it's a lot of touches on that because he was just more of he was more of a volume puncher at that time and i think he can go back to being the volume puncher interesting stuff now uh he had the two big fights against canelo alvarez uh, blockbuster pay-per-views, fight of the year contenders, all action classics. Unfortunately, this is boxing, though, Jonathan, and two controversial scorecards. You were on the outside looking in during those fights. What did you see from both the scoring, who should have won, and Gennady's performances? Um, scoring was a little bit uh, tricky to me because I thought, like, they could have gave a decision for the first fight, but the second fight definitely seemed like a draw to me. But that's, that's just, you know, my opinion. But I just, I mean, looking at looking at that fight, looking at Triple G, I just, um, I, would, I would have wanted to see him be a little bit more dominant. That's like, a- that, this is me speaking as a fan, as if I was just looking at the fight. So I sort of said the same thing watching as a fan and being an admirer of Triple G that I, I looked at it as he respected Canelo's counterfire that certainly, especially in the rematch, look, they stood toe-to-toe and they traded big. But there were moments where I felt like Triple G could have thrown the right hand more, stepped on the gas more. And I wondered, was he frustrated not being able to land the right hand consistently? What was it in his – was it a mental stop? What do you think it was? Uh, see, that's one thing that I can honestly have no clue, have no clue of because, um, as I'm, as I was looking at the fight, I'm like, what, like, does he have an injury? You're just thinking, like, why wouldn't he, why, why wouldn't he just let his hands go? That's interesting. He seems to you have know, an insane chin. You to get be... used to, you get used to just, you know, um, hitting guys one time and they bagging up. That becomes a habit. For sure. Uh, how much of a focus is going to the body in terms of your general philosophy and then, you know, the criticism Gennady took in that rematch for for having attempted so little boxing body punches there? Um, that's all a part of the arsenal, you know. Uh, body head, that's all part of the arsenal for me. I think it's very important to um, to dress up your opponent. And you can't dress them up by only throwing headshots. There's certainly a lot of talk about Gennady being into his late 30s and whether he has lost a step or whether he's doing things to sort of curb that. How do you look at that? Because he's a fighter that that's fought so many rounds when you add up the amateur and pro career, but still blowing guys away in there. Do you think that 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 he's hit a certain wall at this age? No, I don't think so. I think everybody look at the age because they used to bear used to looking at the age in in the sport as of years ago. But it's a new era right now. It's a new day of time, new technology, new medicines, new new just nutritionists is out here giving you food that make you that that allow you to um to maintain your weight without straining your body all the time. It's just different. You know, and with with the difference now, 
that everybody had access to all this newer information. Um, the 37 year old body is not is not beat up like it w- it would be back in the early 90s or the late 80s. Yeah, and certainly Gennady's not you know hammering down steaks and cigarettes in between fights. He's a, a, a world class exactly. athlete. Exactly. It's a different era for sure. Exactly. Um, to sort of close on the Canelo side of this, uh, you're not fighting Canelo on October 5th. We know that Canelo seemingly wanted to do anything but fight Gennady a third time, despite. But pressure from promoters from DAZN, despite him being forced to be stripped of his IBF title at one point, even rumors that he was willing to give money back to DAZN to avoid this. What's the talk, if any, in the gym with Gennady about Canelo? Is there anger toward the decision making and in having to go in a new direction? Maybe believe it or not, there's no talk between me and him about um about Canelo because I mean other people may have may be curious about it but Canelo we not fighting him October 5th so I, I got nothing to say about him do you have an opinion problem... do you have an opinion on his decision making Jonathan in terms of avoiding Gennady and then moving up to face Kovalev which is a two weight class jump I mean say what you will Kovalev can still punch this is like arguably even more dangerous than Gennady in some ways what's your opinion on that decision I mean I think is um it's almost to the point like um, Canelo wasn't sure he can even make 54 at one point. You know that's why it took him so long to be able to get that Floyd Mayweather fight. He wasn't even he was barely making 154. Now he's jumping up to 175. I think um, it's a lot of other people need to have questions about <laughs> about that as well. Not just not just the average everyday fan fan uh, fans or the media. You know, I think that's um that's a big situation to be able to jump up those weight classes. It's a light heavyweight and be willing to fight. I mean, it doesn't make any sense. He's a, he's still a he's still the same small frame individual. So if he's getting that big this quick to go to one seventy five, I think there's there's big issues there. But um, he's faster than Kovalev. He he can move better than Kovalev. And he can, I mean, he could take chances to dodge Kovalev punches a little bit. I mean, a lot better than most light heavyweights. So that's probably how he's looking at it. Very interesting stuff. Now, we're going to see you guys, obviously, against Sergey Derevchenko. Man, this is an interesting fight. New York City, October 5th. We've seen Sergey at this title level before losing such a close decision, split decision to Daniel Jacobs in 2018. Bounced right back with a good-looking win over Jack Colquet. How do you see this fight? How do you see the X's and O's here? How tough is this challenge in your eyes? I mean, this is a tough kid. You know, make no mistake about that. He's a, he's a super tough kid. But um, um, I think Jimmy G has faced someone like him before in this in this many many fights. And um, but this kid have never faced someone like Triple G. I think that's the difference. I mean, is this going to be the I think kind that would, of that would be the big difference in the fight? But it, it, he's a tough kid, though. So this is going to be this is going to be a rough battle from beginning to end because this kid is getting the chance of a lifetime fighting for his first world title. Relatively, he's in his home. He, he's at his home away from home, which is New York. That's where he work out of. That's where he live at and train at. So um, it's going to be a almost hometown fight for him. So 
This, he's gonna he's gonna put on his best show. He's gonna put on his best performance. I can't tell if this thing's gonna be a slugfest or this is gonna be twelve rounds of like uh, high speed chess back and forth, Jonathan. Uh, I I don't see it being um I don't see it being uh, twelve round chess match. I don't see I don't see that you know because I haven't I, I mean me personally I haven't seen that in any other his fight to be a twelve round chess match. Or him not putting pressure to, and 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 just making a fight out of out of it. I think um, with someone like Triple G, I think his goal is to the is to first start getting ahead on the scorecards because he's not about to walk across the ring and try to knock him out in the first two rounds. So his goal is to get ahead on the scorecards. So for him to do that, he must engage Triple G. And once Triple G started engaging him and cutting the ring off, I think that's where you're gonna see. The difference um, where they will have to break down the fight, or he's gonna start. He's gonna try to box him, but he's gonna try to move him box him. But Triple G can also do the same thing. So I think it's gonna be. Um, I think it's gonna be a. Uh, I think it's gonna be a fight. I don't think it's gonna be. I don't think it's gonna start off being a slugfest. I think he's gonna try to be a technician, and once G could be able to cut the ring off, I think he's gonna have to sit there and fight. Cause it's gonna look like he's going from from rope to rope, and he don't want to look like that. So since you don't want to make it look like that, I think he's gonna have to sit out and try to fight him. That's that, you get me fired up. I can't wait to see this fight October fifth. Uh, I wanted to close on this about Gennady's mindset. He had built himself commercially, Jonathan, for years after coming to the states in 2012 as this like smiley, happy-go-lucky, almost kind of goofball figure not not to say that in a negative sense but you know he had the catchphrases the media the fans fell in love with him and then when he went through the journey of those two fights against Canelo through Canelo failing the drug test all that stuff man we saw the backbone we saw almost like a heel turn we're seeing him in interviews give direct harsh quotes at times is this a heel turn to steal a pro wrestling uh, term? Are you seeing a grittier Gennady, or is he the same fun-loving guy we came to know originally? I mean, he's the same fun-loving guy everyone, the fans, came to know and love originally. You know, but a lot of times, you know, when you're dealing with something personal as far as, yo, this is your career, and you got guys, you know, whatever, going, doing whatever, like opponents that he can't fight them, that he want to fight, I mean, a lot of times you just got to speak your mind and say what you need to say. Indeed, indeed. Hey, great chatting you with you, Jonathan Banks, the new trainer hey, for man, Triple my G. My pleasure. Gennady Golovkin, we loved your work on the heavyweight level. You were a heavyweight and cruiserweight fighter yourself. Uh, any regrets on, on ending your career and transitioning into training? You still got one more payday left in here, or is that all done? I got about five more left, you know. So I, I got, you know, I tell, I, listen, I tell every fighter I work with, Say if you want, you always walk around with a wallet. I say what that means. I say you always gotta have something with you, always. Say that's why I say I got five more left. I got at least five more left in my wallet. I said we got the with Triple G. I said we got punch that punch a pop would be our our stay in our wallet, you know. So let's 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 kill him with our speed, you know. Let's kill him with the speed. So you know, always got always gotta have something left. I love it. I love it. Can't wait to see this fight October 5th. Thanks so much, Jonathan. Best of luck to you and Team Triple G. Thank you. I appreciate it. And we're back, Rafe. We did not talk about Night of Champions with the great Jonathan Banks or when Tarver. That was a great fight with Tarver. Great Sent fight. him to the dark depths there. But special thanks to the trainer. Sounds like they have a good relationship. Uh, 
But, you know, they're just avoiding Abel, it seems, at all costs in Big Bear. It's a small community, though, Rafe. You know, it's like running into your ex-girlfriend. Yeah, it's true because there are there are stories you you search on the internet, you start reading the message boards, you you hear people, you see people creeping in there who've been to Big Bear, who live in Big Bear around there. They 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 say they're bumping into boxers all the time. So it is it is interesting that they have never they're not crossing paths. Yeah, it's a small community, just like Cantastota. Hey guys, really proud of my brother being inducted here in Canastata into the Hall of Fame. It's a great celebration right here. I love Canastata. I love Big Bear. Thank you. All right, Rafe. Do you care about this weekend? Boxing's back. Here we go. You get fired up? You ready? I'm ready. I'm not fired up. Oh, all right. Well, Rafe, what day is today? Tuesday? It starts tonight. Tuesday night. Osaka, Japan, or maybe it already happened by the time we record this. But did you care about Hiroto Kayoguchi defending his WBA junior flyweight title against Tetsuya Hisada? Oh man, you could have my hard card for the card for this one. I, I, I came and went. Uh, if if it if it blows up on on Twitter, I'll find it. All right, Friday, London, ESPN Plus. This kind of reeks of MTK Global, and the main event is a golden contract tournament, the featherweight quarterfinals. Some of the names in this tournament, Ryan Walsh, Jazza Dickens. Remember uh, Rigo sent him to hell? What's my jaw? Carlos Arujo, former Pistons guard, right? Well, I think, are you talking about well, no, it's Carlos Arroyo, but there was Rafael oh, right. Araujo, yes, the terrible the, big man. On the Jazz. That, uh, yeah, the Jazz uh, 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 drafted Jazza Portuguese Dickens. bloke. Yeah, nobody cares about this. Right Maybe Brazilian. Uh, also Friday, Kissimmee, Florida on Telemundo, if you have it. Yomar Alamo, remember that name, versus Antonio Moran, 10 rounds junior welterweights. Isn't Antonio Moran the guy that uh, Devin Haney sent to the sent to That the, sounds right. The scorching right why earth? should I care, though? All right. All right. Um, no television Friday in Houston, Rafe. 10 rounds junior welterweights. Darwin Price versus Brightus Prescott, the, the, uh, the old husk of the... Yes. Yeah, there's not a lot left in that in that husk. Okay. Uh, we got a title fight from New Zealand on Friday. Giovanna Paris will defend her WBO light heavyweight title against Claire Hafner. Ten rounds. Do you care? Claire Hafner? Yes. I don't care. Okay. Well, Rafe, what we care about is Saturday in the zone, the big arena, MSG, your backyard, Madison Square Garden. The technician, Sergei Derevanchenko against Triple G. Gennady Golovkin, 12 rounds for the vacant IBF middleweight title stripped from Canelo's waist when he couldn't get the deal done with Darya Vinchenko in time. Rafe, sneaky, good, hardcore fight coming our way. Darya Vinchenko pushed Danny Jacobs to the limit in a split decision loss. Triple G's going to have to work. This is going to be a good one, Rafe, and this may end up being a war. It It is. It, I think it could be, and it will also be something that, man, we haven't seen in I don't know how long because if Dervinchenko fights his fight, he comes forward. He uses angles. He boxes well, but he's he, he applies pressure, He's and we haven't seen someone do that with Triple G since, gosh, I don't know what, like maybe like it might have been that first U.S. fight, 2012, Zagor's Proxa, who who maybe didn't know what he was getting into that night. And and 
tried to, you know, basically stand toe to toe a little bit for, and and then was in all kinds of pain over five rounds. He knows I'm a very true guy, and I know my true, and he knows he's true, and he's not ready for true. But Derevinchenko is 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 true. That guy can fight, and he, it's it's gonna be. I don't. I I I think it's also interesting to see what exactly is happening with this Triple G and Jonathan Banks relationship because there are some. You know, I, I heard from boxing analyst voices that I that I listen to and and usually respect their eye for things that. Chris Algieri, I remember, was on Mannix's podcast, you know, months ago talking about this, that some of what the sort of what what the the more casual or less expert fan like viewers like myself, when you saw Triple G getting hit in the first couple of rounds against Steve Rolls and looking maybe slow, um, that it all that, that Algieri saw that he was also trying to work on a few things, try like so, starting to implement certain kinds of movement, trying to do something different. I didn't, I didn't quite see it. I actually want to go back and see if I can spot it myself. Um, but basically, this is fight two. They've been working together for another what five, six months, something. Yeah. So what you know, will we see a Triple G who looks? different stylistically and what will that mean against against Derevyanchenko what do you I mean did you get a feeling talking to Jonathan Banks not necessarily but um I do think this will help Triple G in the long run you know when you're when you're with one guy for so long and I think the the criticisms against Abel were justified for the two Canelo fights that you know you heard Gennady talk about how much better this is he's learning so many new things you hope that he doesn't have to learn it in the in in the moment against Derevchenko, but if it happens, he's going to go back to who he is, right? He's going to go back to fighting and brawling. Um, it's going to be a fun fight, Rafe. I think who's going to pressure who? Triple G. That's what he knows. He's going to give you smart pressure. The thing is, can Derevchenko consistently counter him? Can he turn on the gas? And is he? Will it be smart for him to to get into a war? I don't think so. So does he have? something in his arsenal that can slow Triple G down. It's going to be a fun little chess match at times. They're going to throw hands. I think this is a fight that Triple G should win. I think he still could win at 37, but it's going to be very tough. My fear is what Triple G does against elite or quasi-elite opponents in the past. Jacobs and Canelo twice. Doesn't seem to do enough, right? Does just short of enough and maybe believes a little too much in his jab and that he's winning on the cards. If this one has the potential to be close and go the distance, I hope under Banks we see a Triple G, even if his skills are diminished a little bit, more willing to let both hands go and trust his chin and power. I'd like to see that. Um, I kind of want to see how, I, you know, I, the, the difference here, though, is do we really believe that Dervinchenko is on that level, that that Jacobs level, or I mean, we don't think he's on the Canelo level because Canelo seems even better. But is, yes, he fought closely with Danny Jacobs. Danny Jacobs, I think, deserved to win. I think that it wasn't Danny Jacobs' best night either. Um, but I guess on some level, I wouldn't be I wouldn't be surprised if it's competitive and close. I wouldn't be surprised if we come out and and it turns into a fight where oh wait no this guy cannot handle this power at all. He's he's immediately on his back foot because of Triple G's jab, and it turns into 
maybe not a washed gill type night, but a, a pretty clear Triple G win. Um, but I, I don't, you know, it, it, that's the thing. I don't know that that's the case. I don't, I'm not even particularly confident because of all the changes that are going on because of the age curve that Triple G is on because he looks easier and easier to hit every time he fights. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, uh, I'm with you on that. It's going to be interesting. It could end up being the perfect dynamic for fans where the combination of Triple G's slowing down with maybe the complications of learning something new and suddenly he's in a real fight and maybe Dervinchenko is better than he was against Jacobs and learned some, you know, corrections from his mistakes. And we get a thriller here. There's potential Rafe. And certainly if triple G wins, he's right back in the Canelo sweepstakes, but a loss would be pretty detrimental. You got to be honest. There's a lot pretty of detrimental, man. I mean, he would be in deep trouble uh, losing this fight and he could it's a competitive fight it's a good it's it's what it'll be one of i mean look when you look after after when it's all said and done it'll be his second best win at at, at middleweight probably wow better than right? wash Gill at that time better than macklin yeah maybe yeah because because derivinchenko comes in with a lot of respect comes in with and he's fresher and he's only lost to to, to jacobs and He's just a guy who's expected, I think, going in to push Triple G more than any of those. Those guys were all like, oh, well, this is a better step up. But, I, I, you know, let's be real. I guess Lemieux, it, will it be better than the Lemieux win? Yes. Even though Lemieux yeah, was a champion. Sure. So, so you think that, like, Wash Gill was a better win than Lemieux? What was the point where, where Wash Gill became Wash? That's really the question. I mean, you know. Who who got to him first, Triple G or or Miguel Cotto? Triple G. Okay. And he did lose to Darren Barker, who had no business getting up from that body shot. But that was, I mean, that was a hellacious fight. I loved that fight. Yeah, that was. I don't know. I don't know. I just, I'm, I'm fired up. I'm bring me Canelo. I'm fired. I'm bring me Triple I, G. I'm fired. I up. will tell you honestly, the, the the myth of washed gill began because of kind of like the look on his face throughout that Triple G fight, where it yes. was just like. This sucks. Let's not forget, though, that this. he caught his foot in the photographer's strap. That's and, and then we're, like, eight-minute first round. Eight-minute first round is correct. I don't got that DAZN shit. I do. I have the DAZN shit. I'm excited for Saturday. Not excited about this undercard, though, Rafe. A lot of Triple G promotions on this. Not a lot of reasons to watch unless you're fired up for the co-main Israel Madrimov versus Alejandro Barreda, junior middleweights, or Ivan Baranchik, a name we know, against Gabriel Tito Bracero. Gabriel was, was is Bracero the guy who was dating Susan Sarandon for a minute? I don't know that. He is the guy who one punch knocked out Danny O'Connor. That I time do recall that. that. Yes. Card. Um, How old is Gabriel Bracero at this know. point? I don't know. Uh, Rafe Saturday, Flint, Michigan. Showtime. We back, baby. Clarissa yeah, Shields in an interesting fight. She is won- it? Well, look, here's the deal on Shields. Won a title at 68. Unified. Undisputed middleweight champion after beating the Hammer. And getting all four. She could touch this, Rafe. Now she's moving down to 54. She has a vacant WBO title fight against Ivana Habazin, who's Mm. coming up from welterweight. It's a fight Mm. Shields should win. But the whole setup here is if she can make 54 and look good, can she attract women's pound-for-pound queen, although she's in her late 30s and aging quick, Cecilia Brakis, who's at welterweight, has all four titles, can Shields get down to 147? Could she make Brakis move up to 54? I know in your heart of hearts, you might be saying, I don't care. 
But here's the deal on Shields, and I always say it, and I mean it. You know me too well, Brian. She makes fun fights. And she's willing to do anything to prove she's the best. So I got to give her credit. Moving, trying this, cutting down to 54 to see what she's got. I know when there's a lot of titles at stake, you're not, especially when they're vacant in the women's game, you're not always facing the best. I mean, Cindy Serrano has seven different divisions where she's a champion, and I think five of them were vacant fights, right? So it's like. Are you talking, did you mean Amanda Serrano? Sorry, Amanda Serrano. Sorry, this is the fighting Serrano sisters. Sorry about that. Um, so, but do you care at all about this, Rafe? What answer do you want, Brian? Yes. Yes, you do. Okay. That's the answer I was going to give you. I, I care like a mother effer. All right. That'll be in Flint, Michigan, Rafe. Your new backyard. Bring right bottled water. 75. Not, not too far away. How far away from where you live in 8 Mile is Flint? Oh, shoot. It's like probably like a half hour, 40 minutes. All right. Let me just say I was wrong about this fight. Clarissa Fields is boss. Rafe, she's boss. Will you get your bottled water and head on over to see the boss on Saturday? Nobody paying me to cover fights. Okay, all right. Hey, I thought you worked for The Athletic, all right? I thought we were getting I write for them, but I don't coverage. get travel budget. Tell me, does Daniel Jacobs have bad breath or something? I mean, what's going on here, Rafe? Uh, are you touching H's? What's going on? All right, the co-main event, uh, Jaron Ennis versus Demian Daniel Fernandez, 10 rounds welterweights. Do you care about Boots Ennis, who was on the Raskin and Mulvaney show this week? Yeah, I care about him. He's a really exciting prospect. I, you know, want to see how he looks. All right, I didn't mean to anger you with this uh, Flint talk. You all right over there? <laughs> I'm good, baby. Don't you I'm dare good. be sour, all right? I'm good. Uh, heavyweight prospect Jermaine Franklin will take on Pavel Sauer. Come on, man. None of this stuff is really worth anyone's time. Jerico O'Quinn, the junior bantamweight prospect, <laughs> is going to face James Smith, not the bone crusher one, the other one. And Hannah Rankin, a former Shields opponent, will take on Aaron Tuffill in a junior middleweight fight. Okay. It's like word salad, man. There's a guy named Jacob Bonus on that undercard. He's, you think he's one of the Bonus brothers? <laughs> I, it gives me a phoner. <laughs> All right. Hey, untelevised Saturday from Hawkinson, Delaware, Rafe. Hammer and Hank Lundy is back. Hakkasan? Like the club? Yes, yes. Eight rounds, lightweights, Robert Frankel. How is Hank Lundy still making 135? Uh, who's Robert Frankel? He sounds like an economist. I think he writes for Saturday Night Live. That's, that's Rob, or that's, uh, Al Franken. All right. Hey, this show sucks right now, Rafe. You, uh, yeah. So, okay. That's the end of that. Did you care? You cared a little. All right. Shout out to the rest of I care a little. And I always showtime, care a little. Folks. Okay, then, Rafe. Um, what do you usually eat, Rafe? Because we asked uh, Alexander or Victor or, or what's that, Pulev's first name, Kubra? <laughs> Salad. Salad's very good. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. You know, yeah. I eat steak, Brian. Yeah, I eat steak, you know. Well, the first thing I do is make them toast my salad. Uh, Rafe, what's new in your life here? We got a couple seconds left after the show. Special thanks to Triple G, Jonathan Banks, for joining us, Rafe. You already know I'm the best, Brian. That is true. That is true. Um, I got to ask people, like, who else is going to give you a show like this? Because they had a full package. Where are they going to get that full package today? Who puts their balls on the line? We do, Rafe. All right? Nobody. What's Nobody. new in your life, Rafe? Talk life with me. All right? You, we good friends? You got to see your dad recently? Everything good? 
he's doing well, you know, still working at the bar. Anybody passing through New York want to give him a shout Sundays and Monday nights? You could, you know, buy a book while you're there, buy his poems, buy buy two and two, Kriegel, Rafe, and McSorley's. It, there's a lot there's a lot going on. All right. Well check out your work on the athletic for uh for the price of a cup of coffee per day, Rafe. I can be reading the speed bag. Legendary That's right. nights gone wrong. Maybe. <laughs> All right. All righty then, Rafe. Big, big steak. Yes, big, big steak. Uh, fire it up for Triple G, Derek Vinchenko. Fire it up for our friends, the uh, the Irish crew, the Alex Godinez crew, the ADK crew, the Raskin and Mulvaney crew. Shout out to them. Listen to their Brian. Showtime podcast. Brian, um, you're, a, you're a conspiracy guy. Shout out to you're Omaha, a conspiracy guy, Rafe. Brian. One second here. Shout out to Omaha, Nebraska. Yeah, what do you got for conspiracies? Well, you saw what you, you brought up the ADK crew. You brought up the Cobra. You saw he's talking about flat earther right now. Where, where are you? Are you down with that? I'm not down with the flat earth. Okay. I think it's round. I got many what other. If, tell me about the Denver airport, though. Denver airport, Denver airport, the basement. Yes, yes, yes. All right. There's some Freemasonry going on underneath that thing. Uh, revisit that collaboration. You know, have you ever been to the Denver airport? You know, that giant horse they have out front, that statue. Do you know what killed the man who built it? It killed him. It fell on him. It killed him. It's a dangerous job. What do you? What do you that's part of the conspiracy. He knew too much. I don't know, Rafe. All right. Like the the omen where the where the where the thing falls out of out of the sky and impales the guy. Do you think this podcast could end up killing me one day, or just my career, Rafe? Neither. It's boxing, man. Nobody cares. Okay. Uh, did you have any rakeasms watching Spence Porter over the weekend? Can we shout out uh, Ray Boom Boom Mancini? Or you're not into that. I dug it three times. All right, that's the whole show for this week, folks. Uh, Rafe, do you have uh, two words to give the people? We out.